I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, Welcome to the 2017 Madison Fire Department Achievement and Promotional Ceremony. I'm Cynthia Schuster, Public Information Officer with the Madison Fire Department. We're gathered here to celebrate the accomplishments of our colleagues, friends, and family. In the last year, 37 people have earned a promotion or reclassification, taking on new challenges and growing as professionals, serving the great citizens and visitors of the city of Madison. The people honored here today put forth countless hours, in many cases, years, studying, training, testing, interviewing, participating in skill assessments, and ultimately hitting a new milestone in what we hope continues to be a long and fulfilling career at the Madison Fire Department. To help us celebrate these accomplishments, we've invited a number of speakers to join us today. First, I'd like to welcome Madison Mayor Paul Soglin to the stage. Thank you. I've been preparing all week uh, for this, trying to figure out exactly what I was going to say. And I came up with two themes. So instead of choosing one, I'll be very brief, but share both of them with you. The first is sitting on, on my desk at home is one of my childhood fire trucks. Uh, it's not in very good shape because my two younger brothers got a hold of it uh, in later years and basically trashed it. But in any case, it made me think about what was the description of the job of a firefighter when I, when I got that truck. We had chiefs and captains and lieutenants. But if you look at the obligations of a firefighter in those days, in some senses because of the, the equipment, it was a lot, a, lot more, a lot more dangerous. But it didn't have the myriad of obligations that today's firefighter shares with the public when they, they serve us. When we look at the city budget, for example, it's, it's our rough estimate that over one-third of the cost of firefighting, or at least the fire department budget, is devoted to dealing 
with the challenges of substance abuse and mental illness. How many times when we first set out with our ambulances and our trained personnel, did we expect them to respond to the tragedy of a coronary or perhaps of an auto accident? But now it's, it's going to be a drug overdose. It's going to be attending to the wounds of victims of domestic violence. And that takes a different skill set than what was required 60 or 70 or even just 20 years ago. It means more than being able to operate the apparatus, know what to do when, when confronted with a fire. It's a far more complicated job. It's a far more challenging job. And it's a far more emotional job in dealing with personal involvement with the people that you serve. The second thing I was thinking about is what do firefighters encounter on their way to promotion? Well, this last month, we saw one of the most horrific incidents in our community uh, that anybody can ever recall. A situation where it appears uh, that an individual for whatever motives he may have had, took the life of a spouse, animals, pets, and risked the lives of a neighborhood and all of the responders who showed up at that tragic scene. We hope that in training and in gaining leadership, all of our firefighters are prepared to lead in, in those situations. But as I reflected upon that, I thought of a couple of other situations that we've had over the years. And I don't know who in this room might have encountered them, had the experience. But I know just recently we had an individual who came home drunk knew that he was drunk, and so knew that as he prepared a late-night snack for his case of the munchies, that he had to be careful. So as he turned on the stove, I guess he moved his easy chair next to it, settled in to carefully watch his dinner, promptly fell asleep, only to awake to find that the easy chair and his hair were smoldering. We've got a lot of challenges like that, some from alcohol abuse and some from ignorance, like the woman who had never operated her snowblower before, carefully read the directions, which said you were to mix, I think it was three parts gasoline to one part, part, part oil which she then promptly did in her mix master, which, as you might imagine, 
ignited right there on the spot. There's a lot of us out there who really don't know what we're doing for one reason or another. And it's your obligation to develop a career where you deal with the absurd, with the tragic, and with making sure the rest of us are safe. Whether it is what we always imagine is the first demand in an emergency of fire, or thankfully we've never had it as bad as Houston or Florida, but showing up when that storm hits, that tornado hits, when the live wires are down. And so, congratulations to every one of you who's receiving a promotion today. We know that you're going to be safe and leading this department, leading your shift, and we'll have some great stories to tell one day when you have an opportunity to describe the work of the modern Madison Fire Department. Also, a word of congratulations to the brains, as the blue shirts call them. Uh, the chief and the command staff who've done an exemplary job in regards to training and uh, the wise decision of selecting you for promotion. Congratulations. The mayor appoints five citizens to serve on the Police and Fire Commission, a body that approves the hiring and promotions that we're celebrating today. They obviously are an integral part of this process, and that's why we'd like to welcome Commissioner George Campershire to the stage. Thank you. Um, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure everybody who is on the fire department knows what the Police and Fire Commission do, but just a little brief summary for family members who may not know. Uh, for both the police department and the fire department, the Madison Police and Fire Commission acts like a uh, personnel board. We are in charge of hiring. Uh, we have the final say on hiring. We are in charge of promotions. We have the final say on promotions, and we're in charge of discipline if discipline matters are not worked out uh, within the department. Um, we, you know, I've been doing this for eight years. We have some other members of the commission. Uh, I don't, in fact, I didn't see if any of them were here. If there are, they could stand up. Um, the president is uh, Nia, Nia Trammell. Um, we also have Fabiola Hamden, uh, and we have a new member, Kevin Gunblack, uh, to the commission. Again, I've been on there eight years, um, and been to a few of these, been to several uh, police uh, department promotions and, and ceremonies and celebrations. Um, and, and that's all good, and I enjoy all that. We also get complaints once in a while that we have to deal with, although I will say that on my, in my eight years as a police and fire commissioner in Madison, we have not received a formal complaint 
uh, either from the chief against a firefighter or a member of the department or a citizen complaint that we have had to deal with. And I think that's tremendous. We have had uh, some on the uh, part of the police department, um, which I guess is to be expected given, given their role in the community. Uh, but there are two. There have not been that many that have made it to the stage of the Police and Fire Commission. And, 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 I, and I puzzle over explaining that to people because some people would say that means that um, nobody's, you know, nobody's in charge. Nobody's uh, disciplined everybody, anybody. Anybody can do what they want. Or the other explanation, the one that I truly believe, is that we in both the fire department and the police department have excellent people in charge. We have excellent training. Uh, if there are issues they are dealt with uh, on their own, they do not rise to the level where the chief has to make a complaint against an officer or a firefighter to us, uh, and they don't arise to the, to the status where citizens need to make complaints against an officer or a firefighter to us. I think that's what it is, and I'm very pleased uh, to live in a community uh, where that is the case. You know, I did... Uh, in my years, I did a couple overnights with the fire department. Um, uh, I remember not getting much sleep, and I, I really hate those alarms that go off um, that, that you folks have to deal with. Um, I, we did not have any fires that I've had to deal with. Madison uh, does not have uh, that many. Again, we had the you know, kind of outrageous one a couple weeks ago. Um, but we have a lot of calls for help, people needing help. Uh, and some of it is, as the mayor said, people just doing stupid things, but some things uh, just happen. And it's good to know that the fire department is ready, willing, and able to be there. Um, and I was thinking about this this afternoon. I, I took up uh, sailing this summer. I'm taking lessons down at the UW Hoofers down, down by the Union. And as I've found out with most things in life, it's not as easy as it looks. Um, I went out for my first solo today in one of those little tippy boats that they have with a big sail. And um, I did very well until the wind picked up a little bit. And then as I was coming in, I don't know what happened, I ended up capsizing. I, not that I'd not done it before, I'd done it a couple other times. And the, and the ship turtles, which means it completely flips over, which is not the easiest thing even on a small boat to write. Um, but even at, actually, as I was sitting there, I was thinking, I know that the folks at the UW Life Saving Station over by the Edgewater are looking at me right now. I know they are, okay? And I, and, and, and I was thankful for that. I didn't want them to have to come, but that's a little embarrassing, so I did everything I could and actually got it right in about 10 minutes. Um, but I knew that they were there, just like I know that living in Madison, as I've done my whole life, I know that the fire department is there. I know the police department is there. And if I'm in trouble, if something happens, I know minutes away there will be some help. And I am in awe of people who are willing to do that as their life mission. So um, I don't uh, have anything else to say. I want to congratulate everyone uh, with a promotion and everybody honored today. And as I always like to say, I want to thank everybody for their service because you should know that it is really appreciated in the city of Madison. Thank you. Working with MFD management, the Firefighters Local 311 Labor Union strives to attain a safe and supportive work environment for its members while also ensuring that the community is receiving the best possible professional service from its fire department.
Next, we'll hear from Local 311 President, Professional Firefighters of Wisconsin President, and Madison Fire Lieutenant Malin Mitchell. Thank you, Cynthia. Um, hopefully my remarks can be a little bit more not as sad as the mayor's. He's gone now, so I can say that. Um, thank you all, and thank you, uh, Chief Davis and the administration for having me and having Local 311 speak at the event today. Um, on behalf of Vice President Sherry, our Secretary Treasurer, uh, Ted Higgins, who was playing the bagpipes, and our 470-plus members of Firefighters Local 311, we want to say, of course, congratulations to all the brothers and sisters who are getting promoted and all those in administrative and civilian roles that are getting promoted as well. Um, no doubt it shows your dedication, uh, your hard work, as well as, more importantly, uh, your family's hard work and dedication letting you take time away from your normal duties of your job and your career, as well as your normal duties at home, being a father or mother or brother or sister or cousin or what have you, but also um, putting in time and effort in order to uh, study for the practical exam you had. Um, I did it once a couple of times, and I know it's, uh, it's not easy, so it takes a lot of time. So if you can join me, give a round of applause, not just for you, but also for your families as well. So I'm going to take my wife's advice today, as I have in the past. Sometimes I don't, but she always tells me that when I'm writing down or jotting down some remarks, she always says, remember that no one is there coming to listen to you. So I'm going to take that advice. But at times, as uh, being local president, I've done it now for, this is my, I'm in my fourth year, my second term. Um, it's been a wonderful experience, but at times, as being local president, um, you really go through a lot of different things. But one of the things you go through in going to all these events is that you see how things come full circle. Like, for instance, on Monday, I was speaking to our brand-new recruits, I think 17 newly hired firefighters who went through the process, went through the, everything they had to do for about a year and a half to come to that point to actually get hired and for Chief Davis to make that call to them, and they actually get hired. Now they're in our Fire Recruit Academy, which is their first week this week. So I spoke to them now on Friday, speaking to um, newly promoted fire or AEs, apparatus engineers, uh, lieutenants, paramedics. It really comes full circle. I remember about two years ago, I think in 2015, we actually had a recruit academy as well as a promotional ceremony, and then we also had a retirement ceremony all in the same year. So it really comes full circle, and it tells you that things go fast. So enjoy them while they last, no doubt. Um, this job, though, is about many things, and I'm just going to talk about two of them that stick out to me right away. Um, the first one is people. So our job is about people. It's not just about the people we serve, which is the most important. Our community we serve is very near and dear, and that's why we do what we do. It's for our community. It's not just giving back, but it's saving lives, hopefully, and making people's days a little bit better if we can but it's about the people that we serve in the community. It's about the people in the stations that we work with and extraordinary people that we work with in the stations, the relationships we build with the crews we work with over the years. If you ever talk with, I don't see a lot of retirees here, but if you ever talk um, with a retiree, and we just had a retiree picnic on Thursday yesterday, but if you talk to retirees, you always ask the same question. You say, do you miss the job? 
do you miss coming to work? And a lot of them will say, yes, we, we miss coming to work. We miss a job. But every one of them will say, even those that left are maybe a little bit disgruntled, they will always say, one thing we miss is the people. And seeing the people every day and working with uh, the good men and women of the Madison Fire Department. So we have to remember that this job is about people. Second thing this job is about, and this is sometimes the harder part, it's about sacrifice and the sacrifices that we make, the sacrifices your families make. So sacrifice is deemed, or, or the definition is, a loss of something you give up, usually for the sake of a better cause. Now, as firefighters, we all make sacrifices. Just last week, we uh, put another 100 and so people on the wall in Colorado Springs, firefighters, paramedics who made the ultimate sacrifice, dying in the line of duty. But many observers will say, and many of those out in the community will say, well, it's your job. You know that when you get hired. You know that when you send an application. That's what you do. Firefighters are supposed to put their lives on the line. And in a society where sacrifice is seldom practiced, firefighters a lot of times are often called upon to make that ultimate sacrifice. But rarely do we around the station or at home, quite frankly, talk about the sacrifices we make on our jobs. We don't come home normally and talk about every call we went on. We normally don't come home and make our families as miserable at times that we are because we want to get away from it. But firefighters are definitely um, givers, and we rarely talk about what we do on our job. We don't talk about the pain and the suffering sometimes that we have on our job because at times we are called upon to respond to those on the worst days of their lives. And when they are at their worst, we have to be at our best. But that's how we are. That's who we are. That's what we do, and we do it willfully, knowingly, and we do it with a lot of pleasure because that's what we are. But what does being promoted have to do with sacrifices? Well, as a paramedic, you had to sacrifice many hours. You had to get out of your box as being a firefighter. A lot of times when we get hired, when I got hired in 97, I never thought, like, oh, I want to be a paramedic or I want to get involved in EMS. No matter what you do, though, you've got to get involved in EMS on this job. The majority of our calls are EMS calls. And then you take it to another level and sacrifice yourselves and put yourselves out there in a very tough program at UW, a very tough program to be a paramedic, and you sacrifice and say, I want to do more of what we actually go on. So that's a sacrifice. As being lieutenants, you sacrifice yourselves because you're putting yourself out there now to be a manager. Not only are you in charge of what you've done before or what you do, but you're also in charge of a crew now. So you have not only your life, but other lives in your hands as well. And as chiefs, you sacrifice. Now you've been a paramedic, maybe a driver, an apparatus engineer, a lieutenant. Now you become a chief. And I know the the mayor did a uh, very good job of saying that in blue shirts, we all call you the brains, I think he said, of the department. That's definitely, that's for sure. We, all do, we always do that. Um, always. I, that's, I, he got that right from my mouth, actually. So I commend everyone um, on your sacrifice, on what you're doing. Um, getting promoted is not easy. You spent a lot of time. Um, and I'll leave you just with this, just a couple of things. And this was told to me by a very old, wily veteran. Um, and I said this to the last class I think we talked to in 2016 or 15. And the one thing he always says is, know your job. And I remember my first day on the department, my first day in the station, actually, he said, know your job. And I kind of thought, well, what does that entail? He says, well, know your job. Obviously, know your tools and equipment. 
Know what you're supposed to do when you respond to emergency calls. Know what you're supposed to do when you respond to fires, EMS, extrication. Know what you're supposed to do and what your job is. But also know your job on this job as well as knowing your job off the job. And the responsibility that we all take and the oath of office that we all took, remember when Chief Davis or Chief of Mexico swore us all in, that we said we would be firefighters, uphold the community, and do whatever it takes to be a Madison firefighter and wear that badge. So that's on and off the job. So knowing our job is very important, on duty as well as off duty. Another thing uh, Lieutenant Tobias told me, he was on the other shift when I came on the job, he said, you know what? Enjoy every part of this job. Enjoy every minute. Enjoy every moment. Enjoy every position. So enjoy being a paramedic. Enjoy being a lieutenant. Enjoy being an AE. Enjoy being a firefighter. But enjoy every minute because it goes by so fast, which we all know is so true. And the last thing, one of the last things, is do the right thing. And I think that's pretty self-explanatory. It's not always easy, but it's always true. We should always do the right thing. And last thing I'll leave you with on my own personal what I've seen in my 20, 19 years is that you got to own your own success. A lot of times you'll have uh, crews, those are lieutenants and those are AEs and even paramedics. You go out in the stations and you've got to be introduced uh, to a new crew. Now, we all pretty much know each other for the most part, but you're going to be introduced to a new crew in a different position. And a lot of times we're all going to, you've got to be in a position of authority. So you got to own your own success. So when you go in, you're going to hear a lot of, we didn't do it like that with my last officer, or so-and-so didn't do it that way. Oh, Lieutenant, actually, normally what we do is we work out this time, and then we do this. Oh, no, Lieutenant, normally we don't. Forget all that. Tradition is great. Tradition is fantastic, and the fire, fire, firehouse and the fire service is steeped in tradition. But sometimes tradition has to be put on a shelf for real, tangible progress. So know your job. Own your own success. If you're not going to be that person, you're definitely going to see that person. So make sure you know your own, own your own success and make sure that you enjoy every minute of the job. Now, I'm going to wrap up with this because remember that this is the best job in the world. And at times we forget about that. And at times being local president, I forget about that. At times when we're um, working together, trying to work collaboratively with uh, MFD administration and the city, uh, we can sometimes forget about that. But this is no doubt, the best job in the world. So whenever we're in the stations and we kind of look back and we say, well, I'm angry about something or this is not going right or Local 311 is not helping us, Local 311 is not backing us, administration is not doing this, we don't know what's going on, we have no leadership, the city this. Remember that this is the best job in the world. And remember that time and that feeling you felt when probably most of us had Chief of Mesquite Collins, but when we had Chief of Mesquite or Chief Davis calls and say, hey, we're going to offer you a job with the City of Madison Fire Department. Remember the joy you felt then. Remember the joy you felt when you had Chief Davis call you and say, hey, you made it. Remember that joy. Even when times are hard, times are getting tough, you've got to be tested out there, there's no doubt. You'll be tested a lot of times by your own members, your own coworkers. But remember that feeling you felt when they, you got the call from Chief Davis that you're going to be promoted. So in talking about sacrifice, real quick, we talk about sacrifice, and we, we as firefighters, we sacrifice. But we don't do it because we want recognition, or we don't do it because the accolades. We don't do it to be called a hero. So I'm going to leave you with this story quick. And it just talks a little bit and explains a little bit about sacrifice and why you should do what you do because of the way it makes you feel. 
for your crew fill, not based upon how the accolades you'll get in return. So I got a good friend of mine that works at the post office, and uh, he shared a, a letter with me recently, so I'd like to share it with you real quick. So one day a letter came in and addressed, and it had some shaky handwriting, and it was addressed just to God, and it came to the post office, had a stamp on it, but it was addressed just to God. So he thought he'd open it and see what the heck is going on. So the letter read this. Dear God, I am an 83-year-old widow living on a very small pension. Yesterday, someone stole my purse. It had $100 in it, which was all the money I had until my next pension payment. Next Monday is Labor Day, and I had invited two of my friends over for dinner. Without that money, I have nothing to buy food with, have no family to turn to, and you are my only hope. Can you please help me? Sincerely, Edna. So my buddy was touched. He uh, showed the letter to all his coworkers. Each one dug into his or own pocket wallet and came up with a few dollars. By the time he made the rounds, he had collected $96, $96 out of 100. He had collected $96, which they put in an envelope and sent back to Edna. The rest of the day, all the workers felt a warm glow, think of Edna, and the dinner she would be able to share with her friends and how they helped her out. Labor Day, now it's come and gone. So a few days later, another letter came in. It was addressed to God from the same elderly woman, Edna. All the workers gathered around while the letter was open. It read this. Dear God, how can I ever thank you enough for what you did for me? Because of your gift of love, I was able to fix a glorious dinner for my friends. We had a very nice day, and I told my friends of your wonderful gift. P.S. By the way, there was $4 missing. I think it might have been those jerks at the post office. <laughs> Sincerely, Edna. Congratulations. We'll see you in the street. Fire Chief Stephen Davis has been leading the Madison Fire Department since 2012. It's his vision and strategic plan that those being honored tonight continue to carry forward under his direction and guidance. Before we begin to issue certificates and badges to our honorees tonight, a few words from Chief Davis. Thank you very much. Thank you to the families primarily. Um, your loved ones have worked really hard and, and deserve to be here today, and I'm glad you're here to honor them. Thank you to the mayor. Thank you to George Malin. Uh, thank you representing Local 311. Thank you to the community. i got to put a shameless plug in for uh, Madison City Cable 12, the award-winning Madison City Cable 12, which we're on live now. Hi, hi Mom. <laughs> I've always forgot to do that in the last five years, and, and I get in my car at the end of this and think, Oh, darn, I should have plugged City Cable, award-winning City Cable 12. So there you go. This has been a long, about 20 days for Chief Davis. <laughs> I literally just got back into town at 2 o'clock. I've been gone all week. And... Uh, on my way back, I, I was in my car thinking, well, I got some things I got to say, but I didn't have a, a 
note card to write it down on. Of course, I was driving mayor. The mayor's gone. So I wouldn't write that anyway. But I thought, well, I'm going to get my favorite spot in the Monona Terrace, like I like to do, and reflect a little bit before we all come out here and, and uh, glad hand and congratulate, congratulate each other. So I stopped at the office. I got my tie and my, my suit. It continues to shrink. And I got over here, got here at about uh, 20 to 3, shook a few hands, been shaking a lot of hands the last 20 days, it's been fun, I love meeting all of you. Get to my favorite spot here in the Monona Terrace, and it's truly probably one of the most beautiful spots in the city of Madison, and I sat down to, pulled out my card, and I had no pen. And that's just the way it goes sometimes, Right? And for our new leaders in the organization, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Sometimes you don't have a pen. Now, I think the last time we met, we, we, we did these uh, promotional ceremonies in May. And we moved them because it was too hot. <laughs> so that didn't work out so well today. I've been in an air-conditioned conference uh, hall for like three days, and I, I came out this afternoon to get my car, and I almost passed out. I couldn't believe it. But anyway, I digress. I don't have a lot to say. I don't have a lot to put on that note card. I, I thank the families. I thank the people that have been promoted. This whole organization is about the people that we serve. I'm not going to talk about me, myself, Anyone in particular in the organization can't talk about the city council, can't talk about the PFC. This is about people doing good for people. And I think we're doing good. Makes me proud as a leader. Makes me proud as a person. So I've got no mic drop moment. Although I would, would have liked one, uh, if I could have used a mic drop moment, it would have probably been about halfway through Malin's. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how the guy comes up and says just one more thing, and nine things later, he, <laughs> nine things later, he says, I got two more things left. And then four more things later, he's got just one more. That, that's, why, that's why we love you, President Mitchell, and keep up the good work. And to those that got promoted and their families, thank you. Uh, nice job. Um, it's, it's my pleasure to serve you. Thank you. So Cynthia Schuster is our PIO, and we, we have not talked about this, so she just told me what to do. Now, imagine last week. Uh, with all the things that were going on, there was one person in my life that told me what to do. That was my wife, right? Because that's, that's what she does. She's the chief, and I listen, especially uh, when I'm on the phone and when I get home, finally. Um, but Cynthia Schuster uh, was our PIO, our public information officer, and she was hired about two years ago. Um, and, and really to keep us on track to advertise the organization, she was hired to uh, write for us, to edit the things that we write, 
and she was hired a little bit to, to give me good advice, which I, th I think she does. So if you saw any of the media stuff over last week, uh, Cynthia was the puppet master pulling my strings. And um, she does a phenomenal job. And, and we spent more time together last week than I care to, not because I don't like her, it's just that those were a couple of long days and nights. So uh, Cynthia is getting promoted to Public Information Specialist 2 and is recognized by the City of Madison. So congratulations, Cynthia. Thank you, Cynthia. The other probably most important person in my life in the organization, um, other than everybody, but the, truly the one that keeps me on track, bails my butt out of jams constantly. I, if I'm late for a meeting or I can't have a meeting or I need to schedule a meeting, is my administrative assistant. Now, Velma was with us for quite a few years, and I inherited Velma um, when Chief Amesqua left. And, and Velma did such a, an amazing and phenomenal job easing the transition between Chief Amesqua and, and myself. And there's a lot of stories that I can tell at some point about how that transition went and how I fell in line with Velma's plans. Right? And so Velma left us for nursing school, which um, that's a good thing. We hated to see her go, but she's, she's, um, she's doing something that she truly loves, so we were excited for her. But with that, we, I needed a new person. And so we looked around a little bit, um, took a chance that didn't necessarily work out, and Denise Desario, who's worked for the fire department for a lot of years and probably knows more about city government, the Madison Fire Department, and anything else you might want to know about, whether it's art or writing or anything, um, graciously stepped up and took Velma's role. So we've promoted Denise Desario to administrative assistant, and she is my new left and right hand. So come on up, Denise. My biggest concern when I got back at 2 o'clock is that she was taken care of, right? You need a ride. I'll take you over there. But knowing Denise, she had it all taken care of, so she gave me some instructions on how to get here and, and do what I needed to do. So with that, uh, thank you to Cynthia and Denise for all the hard work uh, the last uh, few years. Um, I am going to introduce to you... Uh, the Madison Fire Department Medical Director, Dr. Michael Lohmeyer, and he's going to talk about some EMS stuff. Thanks, 
thank you, Chief Davis, and uh, thank you to everybody in the room for, for allowing me the opportunity to speak with you. Um, it really is an honor and a privilege for me to share these major milestones with everybody in this room, um, and it's humbling for me to be here. Um, it's an honor for me to work with the entire Madison Fire family, um, and I'm proud just to be associated with the dedication, the hard work, and the exemplary character that defines each and every one of you in this room today. Um, I'm going to announce the newly promoted paramedics as well as the P2s, um, but I have a few, and I promise they're just brief words that I prepared. I know we're all waiting for the main event, and, uh, and uh, to take some advice from President Mitchell, I know that no one came to hear me, so I'll be quick. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Lohmeyer. Um, I'm the medical director for the Madison Fire Department, and I can't tell you truly how excited I am to be a part of this promotion, uh, promotion ceremony for the Madison Fire Paramedics, as well as announcement of the new P2s and the community paramedics. Um, I'd actually like to start a little out of order and acknowledge the P2s this afternoon first. Um, the position of P2 really has evolved dramatically over the last few years and now is a position that is both uh, very highly competitive and held with great pride and regard. Um, you may not know it yet to the three of you, but your new role involves so much more than just running medical drills with your crew and regularly looking over the patient care reports of your junior paramedics. While those are uh, vitally important duties, Really, your new position is tasked with something even more. Um, you are now the medical conscience for the whole MFD family. I would like to challenge each of the new P2s and the existing P2s to not only keep your crews up to date with the required skills, but find a way to incorporate medical awareness into your daily routine. Keep everyone engaged. Keep them all thinking about how medicine and patient care play a part in the majority of even the fire calls. Because as it's been alluded to multiple times today, the majority of the work that we do now is really medically related. I'd also like you to start thinking of yourselves um, as a team of fire athletes. And I want you to think about how you can keep your team ready and prepared for any emergency. Don't be afraid to start opening refrigerator doors looking around and seeing what your teammates and what your fire athletes are putting into their body and think about how it can either help or harm them with their mission to keep the community safe. <clears throat> to the 12 newly activated paramedics, um, when I think of the task that you are undertaking, the first word that really comes to my mind is significance. I cannot think of another job that holds as much significance as that of a paramedic. You're going to have a deep and profound impact on the lives of every patient that you encounter. And you're going to change their lives in ways that you can't even imagine, whether it seems routine or exceptional to you in the moment. Be sure to make each one of these encounters count. You'll hold a baby as he takes his first breath. You'll be the comfort for an elderly woman while her husband is receiving CPR. You'll control bleeding. You'll manage physical and emotional pain and you will be the calm in a scene of uncertainty. Always remember that there are no second chances in this field, not for you and not for those that you care for. You're gonna be bringing a level of critical thinking, skills, and professionalism to the scene that very few people in the world possess. You never know when you're gonna be faced with the difficult decisions. Your quick thinking and reactions 
can and will mean the difference between life and death. Keep on your toes. Be vigilant to see the areas where we can improve and the care that we can deliver to our community. Strive to be the servant leaders and the force of change that will help take our system to the next level in everything that we do. To the paramedics and the P2s, you are transitioning now from being a member of a team to being a leader. You will be the medical authority on scene, regardless of how long everyone else has been on the job. Everyone will be looking to you for direction and caring for the sick and the injured. It's going to mean juggling between earning your patient's trust, taking charge and keeping the rest of your team engaged, and uh, managing the scene. Don't ever forget that you can't do it all, and everyone is there to help you. We've all got your back. Um, Before my quick final regards here, I just have a, a prayer that I found that I thought was pretty fitting. It's the paramedic's prayer. And if you will entertain me, I'd like to read it for you. The paramedic's prayer. Dear Lord, let me receive the sick and traumatized with an open and giving heart. Give to my efforts success so that life may continue if it be your will. Without you, I cannot succeed. Let me have no purpose except the glorification of life. Grant that the sick that you have placed in my care be abundantly blessed and not one of them be lost because of any neglect on my part. Help me overcome every temporal weakness that I may serve to my fullest capacity. Let me always reach out in joy, compassion, and with a loving heart for all. Amen. I know that you have the fire that you're going to need to be successful in this career, but don't stop fueling that flame. You need to challenge yourselves every day, every moment, to learn more, to be better, to bring more to, the, bring more to your patients and more to the care of our community. Ask yourself every day, who will I be? What will my legacy be, and how will I change the world? I'm going to introduce uh, each of our promoted paramedics and our P2s. Unfortunately, as you all know, this is a job that doesn't have sick days or days off, so unfortunately not everyone can be here today. Um, But please, as I call your names, come across the stage to receive uh, your certificate and uh, meet with Chief Davis. So beginning with the promoted paramedics, Brian Bogansky, Marcus Bobbles, Rick Garner, Mike Girton. Anthony Hiller. Brandon Jones. Evan Morgan, 
Mike Olson. Kane Rizzo. Paul Shuckleman. Mike Stockbridge. And Dustin Whitehorse. Unfortunately, as you can see, the hard work never stops, and a lot of our paramedics weren't able to be here this evening. But please join me in one last round of applause for all of our promoted paramedics. Um, lastly, I'd like to introduce our new P2s, Amanda Bauman, Jacob Keene. Kevin McDonald. All right, one last round of applause for our P2s, please. Thank you again for the opportunity, and uh, I'd like to turn it over to Division Chief Stedman for the announcements of the community paramedics. No, Chief, it won't be long, like everybody else said. Good afternoon. I have the honor of recognizing our three community paramedics today. Uh, over the past few years, um, the Madison Fire Department has begun a community paramedicine program. Um, it's a newer service in our organization, and, and I can honestly talk about it for 30 minutes, um, but I'm going to do my best to distill it down to just a few minutes for you. Um, the, the paramedic program, the community paramedic program, began um, with the mission of providing support and education and empowerment for at-risk individuals in our community to help improve their overall health and their satisfaction with the healthcare system. Community paramedicine models are being used around the country, um, and they're showing to be a great benefit for not only the patients that are being seen, but they can be a huge cost savings for healthcare systems and insurance companies as well. Um, the, the basic idea of the program is to schedule visits with people in their homes when they're not in crisis and take the time to talk with them about their healthcare needs and goals. And this is critical because the times that our paramedics spend with people on 911 calls, we, we can't do a lot of the social work type stuff, right, that, that maybe they would want to do because it's critical that they get to the hospital and get themselves back in service. Um, but through this cooperative kind of case management with local hospitals, social service providers, the community paramedics help assess patient needs in their homes and guide them to the right resources at the right time to meet the true needs that they have. 
So we began by providing these home visits to selected 911 frequent utilizers um, that had more low acuity, low acuity chronic conditions, and we felt that we could manage them in a more effective way than using emergency services, their primary health care provider. Now, as you can imagine, emergency services are not cheap, um, and they're simply not designed to manage these chronic problems that a lot of our citizens have. Um, but for some citizens, they felt that that was the only way that they could truly get help was by calling 911. So we found very quickly that with a little health care education, providing contacts with the right providers and services, not only were the patients more satisfied with their care, but our 911 responders were more available to serve the people with the more acute emergencies that we're obviously respected to respond to. So whether the situation is as complicated as homelessness or significant mental health issues, um, the, the, the true benefit that our community paramedics have is to be able to go out and sit with people and talk with them about what it is that they need. Um, and we've, we've found that our community paramedics have helped hundreds of citizens find their path and reach their goals. So over the past few years, we've developed strong relationships with the local hospitals that have recognized the benefits of our community paramedics and the services that they provide, and we've received grant funding to pay for or to help pay for the three par community paramedics or uh, positions that we have. Uh, now, we're not just helping our frequent users of the 911 system, but we're helping hospitals prevent unneeded readmissions and saving the health care system hundreds of thousands of dollars, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in total cost of care for the people that we're seeing. So please join me with a big round of applause in recognizing the first of our three community paramedics, Gail Campbell. next community paramedic and, and really the, the woman that's running the show over there in the office, Mindy Dessert. And our third incredibly important community paramedic, Raina Glavis. All right, now I would like to introduce Division Chief Chase, Tracy Burris to start the uh, pinning of the badges for our apparatus engineers and lieutenants. Division Chief Burris. Hello. So, yes, I am here to talk a little bit about the apparatus engineers and the lieutenants. So while they're, while they're uh, assembling over there, I'll, I'll get myself started. First, I'll start with the apparatus engineers. I'll tell you a little bit about what it takes or what they have to go through to become an apparatus engineer. The formal process of promoting up to apparatus engineer begins with an application process followed by a written examination, an over-the-road practical, and an operations practical. During the entire process, candidates spend hours and hours studying and practicing with hopes that they will be on this stage receiving a gold badge. Apparatus engineers have many responsibilities, but I will only highlight a few here tonight. One of their main responsibilities is to get their crew safely from one location to another. 
and in doing so they must ensure that they are operating in a way that keeps the citizens safe. They take pride in the condition of the apparatus. They ensure at the beginning of each shift that their rig is working properly and all equipment is accounted for. Apparatus engineers must know the city well, as this will enable their officer to focus on information gathering, communications, and planning for the emergency that they're responding to. They make sure that the fire attack team has water when they need it, and they shovel a path in the driveway of a resident's home when we've had a big snowstorm to assist the paramedics with getting a patient from their home to the medic unit. Another very important part of the position is to act up to the role of lieutenant when called upon. Uh, not only are they expected to know the requirements of their current position, they must also know the role of the company officer. I'll share with you some, uh, originally I called it advice, but it's more like messages that I received um, from a few lieutenants when I was a new apparatus engineer. For those of you that have never been in a, a fire truck, there's a computer, a mobile data computer it's called, or a laptop that sits near the officer's seat. Um, so the first message that I received when I was a new engineer was, I want to be able to read this screen without getting sick. And the translation was, I would appreciate it if you would give me a smooth ride. The next message wasn't, it didn't really come with much dialogue. Um, this officer got into her seat with a cup full of coffee, filled right up to the top, not a travel mug, just a coffee cup from the kitchen. So gets into the apparatus, looks at the cup of coffee, looks at me, and says, well, let's get going. And so the translation was, I would appreciate it if you would give me a smooth ride. I have no doubt that these engineers will give a safe and smooth ride. Come on up. Derek Brown. He will be pinned by his wife, Erica. Engineer Brown works at Station 7 on the C-Shift. Cole Christensen. Cole Christensen. He will be pinned by his father, Assistant Chief Clay Christensen. He works at Station 6 on the B-Shift. Sam Cook. He will be pinned, excuse me, he will be pinned by Fire Chief Stephen Davis. Engineer Cook works at Station 6 on the A-Shift. (laughs) 
Matt Klein. Engineer Klein will be pinned by his son, Ryan. Engineer Klein works at Station 8 on the A-Shift. Todd Mahoney. He will be pinned by his wife, Savannah. Engineer Mahoney works at station number nine on the A shift. Dan Pazurek is unable to be here this afternoon. Engineer Pazurek works at Station 7 on the B shift. Chad Powell. <laughs> he will be pinned by his wife, Lauren, his son, CJ, and his daughter, Parker. Engineer Paul works at Station 12 on the C-Shift. Vince Soto. He will be pinned by his son, Jackson. Engineer Soto works at station number three on the C-shift. Brad Vogan. Brad will be pinned by his wife, Emily. Engineer Vogan works at station four on the C shift. to the lieutenants. 
If I were to tell you in detail all that lieutenants are responsible for, we would probably need to make arrangements to have dinner in here. And I was going to say get some snuggly blankets for everybody, but it's so hot out we wouldn't even need those um, because we'd be here for a while. I will highlight only. The process of becoming a lieutenant begins with being a good firefighter, being a student of the game from the very beginning of your career. The formal process is much like the engineer's process, an application, many, many hours spent studying, a written examination, an assessment center where they demonstrate what they have learned. But the real process begins at the beginning of their career. Lieutenants should have an understanding of the department's strategic plan and lead their crews daily in a way that supports the plan. They themselves should embody the plan's core values and ensure that their crews follow their lead. Lieutenants are firefighters, EMTs, paramedics. They're tactical decision makers, training officers, coaches, listeners, and team builders. They are people who can have the tough conversation with a subordinate when they have to. They are people who can sit with a member of the crew and make sure they're okay when they know their mom passed away a week ago. They are doers. They are people who problem solve while on the fly, while walking and talking and receiving information from most all of their senses. They are leaders. I'll share with you what a lieutenant who is now retired said to me when I was a new lieutenant. He said, relax, keep reviewing the guidelines, and use common sense. He said, most every call you will respond to, you've likely already been to. And that, I think that meant a lot to me because I think he could see that I was, that I was nervous in my first week or so. So I appreciate those words of wisdom from him. And now we'll let the lieutenants have their badges. First, we have Lene Anderson. She will be pinned by her wife, Michelle Bialis. Lieutenant Anderson works at Station 5 on the A-shift. Chris Carbon. He will be pinned by his wife, Jamie. Lieutenant Carbon works at Station 12 on the B shift. Wes Ecker. He will be pinned by his wife, Jennifer. Lieutenant Ecker works at Station 5 on the C-shift. 
Chris Hamas. He will be pinned by his wife, Abby, and their two kids, Juliana and Ethan. <laughs> Lieutenant Hamas works at Station 13 on the A-shift. Jeff Vogan. He will be pinned by his wife, Kelly. Lieutenant Vogan works at Station 11 on the C shift, but is currently serving as a recruit academy training officer for Class 6. Dan Williams. He will be pinned by Madison Fire Lieutenant Mike Mueller from station number two. Lieutenant Williams works at station number 12 on the C shift. Thank you. Onward to the chiefs. The Division Chief of Medical Affairs oversees a vast array of projects pertaining to the emergency medical operations within the Madison Fire Department, including oversight of the tactical EMS team. As Division Chief of Medical Affairs, Scott Bavery works closely with MFD's paramedics and EMTs, as well as with area hospitals and ER personnel, acting as a liaison between MFD and its medical partners, Chief Bavery also ensures that pe the people of Madison are getting high-quality pre-hospital care. Please help me congratulate Division Chief Scott Bavery. Chief Bavery is being pinned today by his father, retired MFD Division Chief Ken Bavery, his wife Leah, his son Jordan, and his daughter Emma. The assistant chief of personnel, the job that's the envy of the department, <laughs> um, it's Chase Stedman. 
He has a hand in hiring and promotions within the fire department in cooperation with the police and fire commission. And he also has the pleasure of leading and overseeing the community paramedicine program as we heard earlier today. Let's congratulate Assistant Chief Chase Stedman. This concludes today's ceremony. We want to thank you once again for being here. We do have a special reception across the hall. Uh, enjoy some coffee and cake, cupcakes on us. If you've been honored today, we invite you to please come back to the stage for some group photos. Thank you so much. <laughs>